Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to In All Honesty, the podcast where you get the honest answers you didn't know you needed. I'm Michelle Elman and I'm a five board accredited life coach and I use my experience from this to answer all the questions that have been on your mind lately. This week we are talking about emotions and it is one of my favourite topics but also you will know if you follow me on Instagram that I take a drastic point of view when it comes to emotions and I disagree with the majority of the world in the way that we view emotions on a daily basis. If you do follow me you will know that I believe that all emotions are healthy I also believe that emotions need to be felt and processed and that if you do not feel them, then they will cause a problem later in your life. I also think that crying is a normal part of life. I am a big crier myself and that if you let yourself feel things that you need to feel, then the emotions will go away. Emotions are designed to be temporary and the only reason they get stuck is because they aren't getting enough of your attention and therefore they will create bigger and bigger problems in order for you to notice. So if you give it the time, energy and attention it needs, it will go away because it has taught you everything you need to know. I also believe that being an emotional person is not a bad thing and I also think that emotion and rationale can coexist because we often hear that thing, especially amongst politicians, maybe I'm watching too much of the Trump conversation right now, where he likes to say that people are really emotional as if it's a bad thing. I think being emotional is a superpower and just because you're emotional doesn't mean you can't control it or lack the ability to control it. It means you're in tune with your emotion and especially in a world that are so used to being numb to our emotions if you still have access to your emotions and you still know how you feel then you are the rare minority and that is a skill but we live in a patriarchal society and emotions are associated with women and being feminine and that's why it's considered weak well they are wrong emotions are powerful strong and if you've actually sat with your emotions long enough 
you will know how brave it is to actually sit in that pain and feel it because it hurts and that's why the majority of the world run away from their emotions they belittle people who feel their emotions and they also avoid the hard work of feeling it and instead they project their emotions everyone else they blame the world for their problems they project their insecurities and they use whatever they can to numb them from the world whether that's shopping video games alcohol or work and yes some of those things I just listed are more societally acceptable but they are all ways to numb yourself from the world you can use them in a healthy way and you can use them in a way to numb yourself from your life when it all is a little too much and you just don't want to feel things so just as a quick explanation I believe that there are five main negative emotions and two positive ones there are some coaches who would disagree with that but that's how I work five negative and two positive although I am using the words negative and positive really loosely because no emotions are actually negative it's the way you deal with them that can be negative and they all provide you important information and the only reason certain ones are stigmatized is because they make people uncomfortable and they don't know how to manage them and they don't know how to feel them so they want you to stop feeling them as well how many times have you been told as a child stop crying is it really because crying is bad or is it because it made the other person uncomfortable so as much as emotions aren't negative the way you act on your emotions can be negative so for example anger if you threw a chair across the room that would be negative but the anger itself is not if you were able to process that in a healthy way it would be good for you So the five negative emotions are anger, sadness, fear, shame and guilt and the two positive ones are love and joy and as a healthy human you should be able to access all seven and as much as we think a fulfilled life is one that is only full of the only two positive ones so joy and love it's actually being able to access them all and you'll know this if you have a person in your life who really struggles with a particular emotion how much they weirdly tend to attract it. So for example, a person who is angry all the time, don't you find they always have a reason to be angry? So the goal is not to avoid our emotions, but instead access the full range of emotions. Also, a heads up, I've already done an episode on anger alone, but if you want an individual episode on any of the other emotions I've mentioned, then send me a voice note and when I get three, I'll record that episode. But let's get into this episode first, where I'm going to be talking about emotions more generally rather than the specific emotions that come under each umbrella. Uh, Hey, Michelle. Um, This is Anki. I um, am currently in a very shitty phase. Actually, it's a good phase, but actually I'm crying right now, which is not to be sad or anything, but... I'm just really feeling my emotions right now and I don't really know what to do because um, I'm getting like a new job. I'm starting next week, which is giving me, I didn't felt like it was giving me too much anxiety, but I've been noticing that I am a bit stress eating. Actually, I just have been eating and not doing anything and just watching like TV. I know this sounds really sad, but lately i'm thinking like maybe it's a coping mechanism and i'm just freaking out because i don't know how to fix it how to i don't know make myself get up and do something i don't know i feel like i'm just hiding and i don't really know what my question is but do you have some advice for me i 
do you have some advice for what to do when you're just stressed out and hiding in every way possible like food series i mean like netflix i don't know do you just have any tips or something thank you so much bye thank you so much for your voice note so first up you know how you said that you were in a shitty phase and then you reiterated it saying you're in a good phase I wanted to pick up on this because a lot of people do it, me included. My first piece of advice is to try to not label periods in your life, whether it's good or bad. It doesn't need a label. And what happens is when you say you're in a shitty phase, what your brain will do is it will go through and try to find things to confirm how shitty your life is, which you definitely do not want. But also conversely, if you say you're in a good phase, what it will do is it will suppress all of the things that you need to feel that might be painful or might be uncomfortable because you're in a good phase and so then that means that when this good phase comes to an end it will all come crashing down rather than being able to process it in smaller parts because you would have actually noticed it when the feelings arise even if it's during a good phase and therefore that's why we need to lose labels because we can have good and bad in the same period of our life just like you are going through right now. I also believe the same can be said about a good day and a bad day. Every day has elements of good and bad and therefore we don't need to label it. Second of all, sitting, eating and watching TV does not sound sad. It sounds human and I have weeks like that. Yes, I said weeks, which means more than one week. I've actually just come out of a similar spell where I was doing the same thing and I was doing anything that brought me comfort from comfort foods to comfort blankets to nostalgic TV shows. I'm currently watching Dawson's Creek which is very much a nostalgic comforting show and I want to challenge the thought that doing all of this is sad and that it's you hiding and instead alternatively make you think of it as your hibernation period. You are conserving energy right now and that's okay. We all go through these periods and they are important. As much as we always talk about the growth periods and the times in our life when we're growing, we need the periods where we can just stagnate and let those growth periods embed and we can actually take some time to rest. And that's all you're doing right now. I know you think it's a bad thing, but I'd like to present you an alternative idea. Let's think about the person who never stops, who never have these periods. They never feel their emotions because they are constantly on the go. They are busy, busy, busy. That doesn't sound so positive, does it? That person will have a breakdown. And you having this hibernation period in a smaller way will mean that you don't have to have a breakdown in order for you to take a break. Do you know how many people are incapable of spending time alone and need the company of another human to be okay You are doing that and you're not even noticing that as a positive. You can sit still by yourself and as much as you don't see that as a positive, that's a huge skill. The urge to get up and do something is a societal message that you are only worthy if you are busy and productive and therefore you might be experiencing some guilt or shame about not being productive but what you're actually doing is the healthy thing and the reason why you feel like it is not healthy is because it is never shown as a positive in the media but also people don't share when they're going through these periods because it brings a lot of shame and judgment from people who believe that being productive and being busy is the only healthy option. You also said that you're feeling your feelings and you don't know what to do about them. That's actually all you need to do. Just keep feeling them until it's had enough time and attention and then it will pass. And I promise you it will pass. 
when you say you want to fix it, all I hear is that you want this time to come to an end and I promise it will, but not when you want it to, when you are finished. I know you want to stop crying and you want to have the energy you used to have and that will come, but you need to go through this period first. There is only one way to get through this period and that is actually sitting through it. Hoping for it or forcing yourself to be productive is not going to solve it. This phase will come to its natural end when you are ready. And I am so glad that you sent this voice note crying because it's going to encourage so many other people to cry and feel their feelings. And it's going to show people that it's not a bad thing at all. It's okay to not only hear someone cry, but be able to sit in that space and let someone have their feelings and not feel the urge to fix it. So I'm not going to try to fix your cry and I'm going to tell you that you don't need to fix it either if it makes you feel better I cried yesterday and I cried the day before it's okay it's human and I know this isn't demonstrated a lot but it is part of healing and this is a healthy and positive thing I actually just came out of this phase myself. I was really ahead on the podcast and had four episodes pre-recorded only for me to go into one of these phases and now I'm so behind that I'm actually recording this the week it's going out. But that's a part of life and it's all going to be okay but to the average viewer who hasn't listened to this podcast for example all they see is me constantly being productive. No, not at all. I have bursts of productivity and then I have hibernation periods. And I know that I have these hibernation periods. I know I have these quiet periods where I want to rest. And so therefore I plan for them and allow them to happen without me getting behind on my work. So it's not this constant output of productivity that everyone aspires to. It's not realistic. And the likelihood is when it comes to you is that this phase will naturally come to an end when you start your new job because that will naturally get you up and about and even if you're just working from home it will start using your brain and you'll be accustomed to a new setting and therefore it will bring up a whole set of new emotions that you get to deal with and that is the story of life where we just keep having new emotions that we need to keep sorting through you also said you didn't think you were anxious but your behavior makes you think that it's anxiety So in order to figure out what emotion it is, I want you to take a deep breath and find the location in your body. Now ask that location simply, what emotion are you? A word will pop into your head. Don't second guess it, just go with it. If you're getting in your head, then ask the question again and simply accept the answer it gives you. Another approach is actually that you don't need to label it at all. You just need to know it doesn't feel good and you need to sit in it long enough and feel it until your pain gets better. I know the natural urge is for you to fight it and I'm telling you to do the opposite. Lean into it and free yourself from the guilt of resting. You're about to start a new job and you're going to need as much rest as you can take before this new opportunity and you will have the chance to rest right now. So use it while you still have it and best of luck for your new job. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This week in Dissecting Dysfunctional Conversations, we are talking This Is Paris. Every week I dissect dysfunctional conversations that I see on TV and we use it as an opportunity to improve your own communication. This Is Paris is an amazing documentary. It's on YouTube and it's about Paris Hilton. And before you switch off and roll your eyes and think, oh, Paris Hilton, first of all, check your judgments. A judgment says more about you than them, especially when it comes about someone you don't know like a celebrity. But second of all, it's amazing because it explores her past abuse in a school. And if you read my first book, Am I Ugly?, You'll know I went through a similar situation to Paris, although Paris' situation was ongoing and mine was a one-off incident, but there were so many common themes to it, from the silence that followed afterwards, the cover-up to no one speaking about it, that I deeply related to the show and I just thought she was really brave talking about it. And in this week's Dissecting Dysfunctional Conversations, I want to talk about the scene where she tells her mum about what's gone on. Similar to Paris, my parents didn't know about the incident in my school either, but there was something I wanted to unpick around this conversation. Because this is the first time Paris is telling her mum about the months of trauma she endured at a school that her mother and her father sent her away to, and yet she is so unreactive and so unemotional. It lacks so much humanity and compassion, and it was in that scene my heart broke for the inner child inside Paris. Her mother's reading from her phone the symptoms that Paris faced and what happened, like emotionally and physically abused me in such a monotonous way and almost in a way that she's actually doubting what happened, that it was so heartbreaking to watch. And then Paris says something like, they were screaming at me all the time and she replies with, right. Doesn't even blink an eye. She literally just replies with, right. If this is the first time you're hearing about this and this is your child, should you not react? She even says, strangling me and locking me in a room and nothing. Her face does not even respond to it. Her face stays in the exact same shape. There was no apology. And I wanted to talk about this because if someone discloses something like this to you, and yes, I'm aware of the fact they probably had a conversation off screen too. 
It's so important to hold space in silence for them, but you also have to echo what you're hearing. This monotonous lack of reaction in your face, which sometimes is actually encouraged within psychology, is not healthy, it's not human, and it's not compassionate at all. She eventually then pretends to be shocked, like two minutes later, and then says, if I had known, I would have been there in a second. But the fact is, something that ongoing has red flags. The first being that in order for them to send her away to this school, they kidnapped her in the middle of the night. Imagine being a teenage girl and men coming into your room, taking you and you having no clue where you're going. That in itself is traumatising. And so whilst the whole family claims that they did not know, you knew about that part because you let those men inside the house. And if that is the entry requirement for going to the school, what do you think they're going to do behind closed doors? So no, I don't by it the whole family dynamic is strange and clearly her family follows this whole stiff upper lip mentality which is just a nice way of saying that they turn a blind eye to abuse but it's the stereotype of Paris being the black sheep of the family so it's this whole thing about following the family line and the unsaid norms and rules of the family or you're out this is why Paris was thrown out and it's shown most in a moment with her sister Nikki where she talks about the abuse and the first question that Nikki asks is have you ever apologized to their parents about how misbehaved she was sorry Paris apologize for what your sister's just told you about the abuse and you think Paris should be the one apologising? But it does make sense because in a family dynamic where there's a black sheep, there's also always a golden child and the suggestion that Paris should apologise is really in line with the idea of the golden child because Nikki follows the family's rules. The reason why Nikki thinks that she should apologise was because in a subtle and not so subtle way she thinks Paris deserves it for acting out of line because Nikki found it so easy to fall into place so why couldn't Paris do the same and she doesn't understand why Paris never was able to behave in the right way but the thing she doesn't get is that Paris would have never been able to achieve the same standard as Nikki because there's only room for one golden child in a dynamic like this and the whole rule with a black sheep and a golden child dynamic is that the black sheep is ostracized and never understood and the golden child can do no wrong so if Paris started behaving overnight that would have knocked Nikki off the golden child pedestal if she could attain it otherwise Paris will be constantly striving for something she would never be able to achieve which is equally as heartbreaking the whole show was heartbreaking and I really encourage you to give it a watch if it's something that is up your street And I really hope this leads to a lot of activism on Paris's end because I do think there's a lack of accountability when it comes to a lot of these institutions. They do get away with a lot, not just abuse, but also neglect. And I just thought it was really brave of her. So on to the next question. Hey, Michelle. I grew up in a family that wasn't very good with emotions. We were pretty much taught to repress them the whole way through. Uh, After many years of therapy, I know that this is not very healthy and that, in fact, we do need to spend some time processing our emotions. I'm aware that I have a whole heap of historical ones to address. Anger, sadness, fear, frustration. And I wonder how I can go about accessing those to process them. A lot of the time, there's no specific memory I can attach them to. So your suggestion in your anger episode of thinking back to the original situation uh, doesn't feel like it applies like this. Do you have any ideas on how we can process those emotions that we're not sure of their origins? Thank you. 
I love this question and thank you for listening to the anger episode and I hope my answer gives you a little bit of clarity because you don't always need to go back to the specific situation. Instead, you could just go back to the familiar feeling. So when I said go back to the original situation, you don't actually need to consciously remember it. You don't need to remember the exact situation or the exact conversation. But for example, some memories that come up for me, I remember like crying on my bunk bed in boarding school. I don't remember why I was crying, but I know I felt lonely and I was maybe 12 or 13, but even then I don't know the exact age. So I just imagine that little girl in front of me sitting on that bunk bed of hers and I'll sit down next to her on that bunk bed. If you have no memories of childhood at all, then that's okay too. Some people don't. And so it's easier to go back to that familiar feeling. You might find that these feelings arise when you're around your family even now in adulthood. So try to remember the last time a family member said something that caused negative emotions inside you that you maybe didn't process or didn't recognise in the moment. But bringing back that memory could relocate that feeling inside your body. More generally, you can use your daily life as an almost trigger to return to past feelings. This tends to work better when a large amount of emotion arises in an instant around a current event in your life. So let's say a friend doesn't communicate well and that leaves you frustrated. I want you to then locate the feelings in your body and go back to that feeling as a child. You don't need a specific memory because the likelihood is you probably felt that feeling frequently in your childhood. It does sometimes help to picture your inner child in front of you like you are looking at a real child in front of you but again it doesn't matter what age appears before you. Just let your imagination do its thing and whatever age your inner child appears at is the right age and all I want you to do is sit with them and listen to them. What do they say? Hold space for the frustration they are feeling. Empathise with them. Tell them that it must suck and I'm so sorry you had to go through that alone. Another thing you might want to do is put your hand on the area in your body where that emotion is sitting. Stroke it like you would a child. Hug yourself. Rub your hand on it gently. All of this requires you to trust your instinct when it comes to your imagination. So if a particular image of you surfaces with you sitting on a bed or alone in your room, don't question if it's a real memory or it's just your imagination. Just let it exist. For example, I would imagine myself with these pink glasses I used to have when I was younger and my hair in a ponytail and I'm not even sure if I had pink glasses but you have to remember your unconscious mind holds a lot more memories than your conscious mind does and is capable of so whilst your brain is going I don't know the age I don't know the memory if you return back to your body your body remembers the age your body knows the memory and your body remembers the feeling Every time you feel this resistance, recognise that it's actually your ego trying to protect you from the pain that you're about to feel. And so if you can return to your body and the sensation you feel, then that's the most important thing. Visual things like picturing the child can be really helpful. But the most important thing is I want to reassure you that you don't need a specific memory. You can still heal it anyway because your body remembers. I hope that helps. I hope that clarifies it. And if not, shoot me another voice note. But I'm sending you so much love. Today's three quick tips are on how to process your emotions. One, you need to create and schedule time. Emotions will only surface when they feel you are safe and if you don't create that time where you are safe to feel then it will force you to create that time by making you ill or literally bringing your life to a halt and trust me the time it creates will be more inconvenient than if you had just felt it in the first place. 
schedule it into your diary whether that's five minutes every morning or an hour at the weekend I know you're going to say you don't have time but it's not about time it's about energy and this is going to be consuming your energy if you don't feel it because it will sit inside your body and if you have more energy you can get more done in a shorter space of time Number two, stay out of your brain and in your body. Staying in your brain means you're trying to explain why you feel that way and understand it all. Here's the thing, you don't actually need to understand your emotions in order to feel them and a lot of the time your explanations that you made up in your head aren't accurate. They are called stories and you are just telling yourself a version of events in order to give yourself an excuse to feel that way. But here's the thing, you don't need a reason, you don't need an excuse, you're allowed to feel the way that you feel and the way you feel is important and valid and deserves your time and energy. Number three, understand the purpose of your emotions. So as I said before, your anger is designed to give you energy to protect your boundaries. When it comes to fear, your fear is designed to keep you safe. Your sadness is designed to help you empty the well of emotions you are storing. Your guilt teaches you to abide by your own code of conduct and your shame is a derivative of guilt and makes you behave according to your own principles and it means you have a conscience no matter how bad it feels. It's really important humans have shame because can you imagine a world where people don't have shame when they behave badly? They all serve a purpose and once you recognise that you can stop hating the fact that these emotions surface and instead start utilising them. Hey Michelle, I have a question about emotions. Lately I've been feeling really disconnected from mine and I don't know how to reconnect. When I'm sad, I don't know how to really feel sad and process it. Same with my anger. I know it's there, but I just can't seem to access it. I haven't been able to have a good cry either. Because of this, my body feels like it's holding so much in, but I have no idea how to let it out. I was wondering if you have any tips on how to reconnect with your emotions so you can process them. Because now they just feel stuck. Thanks again for answering questions. I really appreciate your hard work. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sending in a voice note because this is such a common thing and it still happens to me even though I'm six years into processing my emotions regularly. It's like there's a pane of glass in front of your emotions and you can see them but you can't quite tap into them. The first thing I do is if I'm struggling to access them is I tell myself and sometimes I'll actually say it out loud something like you are safe to feel your emotions. We have time and I will sit with you as long as you need. You can pause that and like replay it and say it along with me if you want. But I will just keep going and say, we are safe. We are allowed to feel this way. And if you're a spiritual person, then I also say, universe, please help me tap into my emotions. I want to release these emotions because they no longer serve me, are of me or for me. If you're a religious person, just swap the word universe for God. It's about letting your unconscious mind know that now is okay to feel them. The thing is, if your unconscious mind feels like it's going to be rushed or is worried that someone's going to walk in on you mid-cry, it might put up these blocks. And another reason why you might get an emotional block is that your ego or your inner child is scared and feels unsafe and is worried that you're going to let those emotions in and is worried that if you let these emotions in, you won't be able to control it, you won't be able to stop and you won't be able to come out of it. So saying this to your unconscious mind can help it feel safe and I know it sounds silly but it really works. I didn't cry for years and my friends would actually find it a running joke. They would put on films like My Girl or Titanic to try to make me cry because they found it weird how I didn't cry and I never knew why but it's because I was so out of touch with my emotions and frankly my inner children were so scared 
to let me in because they'd been taught that having their emotions made them weak but also I had so many emotions to feel that I think part of me worried that if I started crying I would never stop and when I finally did let myself start crying I did not stop for three months. And that was scary, but if you've spent years shutting down your emotions, then be a little patient with yourself and take the time to recognise that it's going to take a while for emotions to be natural for you. But I understand this urge to want to start feeling them now, and you can't just sit around waiting for emotions to be natural for you. And so in order to start practising accessing your emotions, you need to start somewhere. So on those days, and I still do have those days, as I said earlier, I use things to trigger me. So I'll watch a sad movie or watch what actually works really well is if you look up on YouTube try not to cry challenge or there's a series called what would you do that also makes me cry all the time and I just watch as many of those as I need to start crying or sad music also helps or a sad tv show this is us tends to make me cry three or four times per episode I also find if you choose a topic that's actually relevant to what you're crying about, so let's say you got into a fight with your mum, a sad movie about a mother-daughter relationship is more likely to trigger you and get the tears flowing. Once you start crying, the most important thing to do is to return to what you're feeling sad about and not stay on the TV show or movie, but actually go back to the feeling inside your body. And if it's not a specific sadness around a specific situation, just find it in your body and stick with that. But do not focus on the TV show or movie or whatever the trigger was. When it comes to anger, one of the best ways to get the anger out is to do something physical like punching a pillow or get a tennis racket and swing it to create more anger. Because when you allow yourself to feel it and you actually do something physical, you will find you will start to actually feel more anger within your body. So you could use the cliche of imagining the pillow is someone's face, let yourself scream, but also make sure you actually focus on what is making you angry rather than the action itself. So don't focus on the tennis racket, focus on the thing that you're actually angry about. If you can't do that because you're not alone and you can't scream without causing distress to other people, then do it under the pillow or do it in a shower or do it in a locked car your body will feel like it wants to actually release that energy and it will actually want you to feel it and get it outside of your body and I tend to find when I get really angry I want to jump up and down and almost stamp it out of my body so I do all those things you do look weird but make sure there's no one around and remove any mirrors in case you get self-conscious around that and you might want to say things that are really childish or teenager like like this is not fair and so actually do that let yourself yell it shout it let yourself actually express what you want to express to that person but also make sure you don't actually say it to the person you do it alone and then you communicate in a better way to the actual person if need be sometimes feeling your anger means you don't actually need to talk to the person after all Thank you so much for your question and it's really brave that you're really determined to feel your emotions. Every week I end the episode with something I am working on and the thing I am working on right now is checking in with my inner child regularly and not just when it all goes wrong. So I have a really bad habit of only doing all the self-care things when my life is in breakdown mode. 
So a lot of you know that I use inner child meditations a lot and it's how I think I've healed a lot of trauma from my childhood because as most of you know I was in and out of hospital as a child and so that created a lot of trauma. So for the last six years I've been working with my inner child but I tend to only do those meditations when everything has broken down and my life feels like it's on pause and I would love to start getting to the point where I don't wait for my lows to do a check-in but actually do the check-in more often so that it doesn't need to get that bad for me to notice it. I like to think of it as investing more in my maintenance so I don't need so many repairs. The inner child meditations really helped me unpick a lot of my self-hatred and that's a really strong word but at 13 years old I really hated myself and the first time my 13 year old came up in an inner child meditation all I could feel for her was anger and contempt and six years on I'm so grateful that I can now feel love and also compassion for that 13 year old in me but back then I was in a friendship group that today I wouldn't describe those people as friends I was so insecure about my scars and I was also fresh out of a new batch of surgeries that left me with so many problems and trauma that I did not want to talk about. So I had a lot of anger and I let that anger exist within these meditations. And eventually I started feeling compassion and sorry for a 13 year old who frankly went through a lot. But now I want to step this up another level and I want to check in with my inner children or my inner child more regularly. And it will actually mean that I start enjoying these inner child meditations because I'm not just doing it when everything's going wrong but I also believe it's an important way to show myself that I deserve my own time and my own energy and I think it's a wonderful thing to be working on and I hope that means by checking in more often the dramatic side of me that loves all the breakdowns and meltdown and chaos isn't being fed anymore because that is a side I need to work on but I don't know how much of it I could get rid of it because uh, I'm a Leo at heart and we're very dramatic. (laughs) It's such a cliche to blame all your flaws for lack of a better word on your star sign so let's try not to do that but yes I would love to work on my dramatic side as well maybe that's something to work on for another day. But for now, thank you so much for all your questions. The podcast couldn't happen without your help. And I love the fact that you are basically all my co-hosts and I love hearing your voices. And thank you for anyone who's gone through the effort of sending me a voice note. It is deeply appreciated. And if you want more episodes, then I need more voice notes. And if you'd like to be part of a future episode, then get your question answered and email me a voice note at, in all honesty, at mindsetforlife.co.uk. The email address will be down below if you did catch that and in the meantime go pre-order my book the joy of being selfish it is all about boundaries and there's actually a chapter on emotions as well and if you enjoyed this podcast i think you'd love my book or you might enjoy my first book am i ugly you can also find me on social media at scar not scared on instagram twitter and tiktok or you could go watch my ted talk online have you hated your body enough today i look forward to speaking to you in the next episode next week we will be talking about all your career questions so tune in on wednesday and thank you so much for listening bye even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.